0: ask andy is our new subscriber only show every month andy answers your questions like these what's your favorite color biro what the is it with you and terrapins uh what are the spring 2024 catwalk colors how goes it with the sitar can you recommend either the floating barge or the detour to rwanda what do you think of the kids of politicians getting into politics maybe you and your colleagues would be able to suggest some coping mechanisms and Andy even asks a few questions himself. Do you, do you think I could get to Christmas number one? Subscribe to Ask Andy Now via any podcast platform. Go to buglepodcast.com forward slash donate. Hello Buglers, it's producer Chris and this... Is the first of 10 Christmas ish classics from the Bugle, starting with our first ever Christmas, Our Innocent Times. This is Bugle 10. Have an adequate.
1: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, 100% online So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
0: Christmas.
2: So in today's spangly Christmas bugle, we lead off with some of the Christmas based stories to make you feel Christmassy at this very Christmas time. And Kwanzaa and Hanukkah.
3: Christmas, to me, John, is like a self-assessment tax return. Uh, It comes round once a year with the dread inevitability of a drunken car crashing into a bus stop. You always leave it to the last minute. It's ruinously expensive,
2: but it's always slightly more fun than you anticipate. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. You old Scrooge. (laughs) It's that most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) So, our top story this week, the Pope has looked at global warming and thought, well... I'm not yet convinced. Pope Benedict XVI launched an attack on climate change, Prophets of Doom, warning them that any solution to global warming should be based on firm evidence and not dubious ideology. These remarks will be made on January the 1st for World Peace Day. And what better way to start the new year than with an ear-catching piece of environmental scepticism? It's just what Jesus would have wanted.
3: It might strike some of you as being a bit odd that the head of the Catholic Church has called for firm evidence to be used rather than dubious ideology. This, of course, is the same Catholic Church that has brought you such entertaining science as turning
2: biscuits into real human flesh and the incredible spermless embryo. The Pope is right, Andy. Maybe this is God's will. Maybe he thinks there are some design problems with his first-generation earth and he's sorting them out, adding some warmth here and there. These are not natural disasters, Andy. They're upgrades. He made this world... He can tinker with it.
3: Looking at the environmental state of the world, it does seem increasingly clear that the world has been designed with built-in obsolescence, uh, making it very like uh, Japanese TV,
2: milk and women. Let's just let that (laughs) silence linger. (laughs) As that joke sinks in to 51% of the Earth's population. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not saying there's anything wrong, John, with
3: the Pope and his fellow Catholics believing in magic. But I think... Let's have some consistency. You know, if the Pope said that our solutions to global warming should be based on dubious ideology, not on firm evidence, then I'd take the guy seriously. At least he'd be singing off the same hymn sheet as himself.
2: Well, he is leader of a billion Roman Catholics worldwide, Andy, so he's got quite a lot of people on his side. How many people have you got on your side? Well, at last count, one. Wife and one child, Andy? That's J- three. Just the child. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> The Pope's got you beat, and not for the first time.
3: There's been other Christmas gifts. Uh, Britain is giving Basra back to the Iraqis. If they don't like it or it doesn't work, we have got the receipt, so they have to send it back and we will replace it with another Basra. So does this mean, now that we're giving Basra back, that the war was right all along? I mean, there are still more people alive in Iraq than dead, so it can't have been all bad. And also the Americans are so tied up in Iraq, they can't realistically invade anywhere else. So it's actually been very good for peace fans as well.
2: I do hope, Andy, that uh, the Iraqis will be polite enough to send us a thank you note for this beautiful, thoughtful present of ours. Dear Britain, thank you very much for the city of Basra. It's just what we wanted. A couple of things. It seems to be a lot angrier and more damaged than when we last saw it. Is this a display copy at all? <laughs> also, is there an instruction manual for how to get the security forces to work properly? We couldn't seem to find one. Thanks again for such a beautiful city. It's a perfect replacement for the one we lost in 2003. Thank you so much. Lots of love, the people of Iraq. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's
3: lovely. I want to know what we're going to get from them in return, because not only have we given them Basra, but we've given them democracy, uh, albeit not a leading brand version of democracy, but democracy nonetheless does actually contain swallowing hazards, so it isn't suitable for children. So I would expect Iraq to send Britain at least a PlayStation in return. (laughs) Would that be even, then? I think it probably would be, yeah. It would be even. Depends if it comes with complimentary games or not. You'd, You'd expect at least... A golf simulator along with that.
2: (laughs) You want a PlayStation, don't you, Andy? I'm
3: thirty-three. Yeah. (laughs) Your point stands. (laughs) Uh, But how do you think the Basra handback is gonna go, John? I mean who's gonna be running Basra by Christmas two thousand and eight?
2: Well, I mean it's hard to say. The optimist in me says the Iraqis, the cynic says no one will be running Basra. Basra will be running a law unto itself.
3: I think it's going to come down to one of the following. Uh, Iraqi goodies, Iraqi baddies, Britain again, Iran, the Viet Cong, let's not rule them out. It would be a surprise, John, but they've been lying low for a long time. True. Very long time. Uh, Venezuela, let's not rule Chavez out, he's getting jaunty. Or
2: possibly the New England Patriots, they just look invincible at the moment. (laughs) They do, they do. If anyone can bring some security to that region, it is the Patriots' defence. Yes. They're looking tough. Yeah. Really tough. And, you know, Brady can pick out the runners. So, and that could be crucial down Basra High Street. Yeah. Maybe Tom Brady can bring hope to that troubled region. <laughs> just uh, his percentage pass rate is so high, and the Iraqis surely would respect that. Yeah. And he's just calm under
3: pressure as well. And that's, yep. that's what Basra needs. But if you could be given a city for Christmas, John, what
2: city would it be? Oh, that is a tricky one. I think I'd take Montevideo. Really? Mm-hmm. Good. Um, I'd like Bologna in Italy but that's
3: only oh, yeah? because I had my wallet stolen there about eight years ago and I just want a chance to find the culprits and bring them to belated justice oh. but um, when I was a kid my granny gave me and my brother the Uzbek capital Tashkent uh, it was a nice gesture though we didn't really want it and ended up bickering over who got to play with the airport we ended up not really using it much and I think it's still in the loft at my parents' house along with the two
2: million angry Uzbeks that came with it. (laughs) Well, you know, eBay, Andy. I mean, that's that's the beauty. Nowadays, if that happened, you'd just slam it straight on eBay. (laughs) But I guess that's what lofts were for in the olden days. I just feel guilty giving it away,
3: though, because my my grandmother passed away, even though I don't really use Tashkent. You know, a memento. It's not really an heirloom, though, is it? Oh, not really, no. Al Mata, on the
2: other hand, has been in the family for generations. (laughs) Bad Christmas news, and we hear that UK Christmas dinners will produce the carbon footprint of 6,000 car journeys around the world. It will create 51,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide. That's based on production, processing, and the transportation costs of the ingredients. So, when you're biting into your turkey on Christmas Day, I hope you can't look a tree full in the leaf. (laughs) The very least you can do before you tuck in is walk outside and apologise to a bush. The very least you can do. John, is this problem
3: not... ...also applicable to any other meal of the year. Not just Christmas
2: turkeys that drive 51 times around the world. I think it's more about the importation of stuff. Like, say, like, the cranberry sauce alone, which is normally imported from the North America uh, region, uh, contributes half of the carbon footprint related to transport. And so, to combat that, Andy... I'm offering to smuggle your cranberry sauce (laughs) this year about my person.
3: Uh, There is a way to mitigate the carbon footprint of your Christmas dinner, and that is not to use any energy cooking the food. Just eat it all raw. Turkey carpaccio, yum, and good for the environment.
2: (laughs) Uh, However, Greenpeace have announced their intention to send out 5,000 volunteers to break into people's houses in the middle of the night and chain themselves to your Christmas dinner. (laughs) So, if you wake up Christmas morning to see a scruffy man bolted to your turkey screaming monster at you, then you'll know what's going on. Just turn up the volume on the Christmas carols and eat around him. That's my advice. I'm afraid my dinner is even more catastrophic for the environment because it's an Oliver family tradition to have a roast polar bear for lunch. We don't even like it, but, you know, it's tradition. This is a Christmas gift alert. The UK is to ban imitation samurai swords. I mean, this is particularly bad news for me, Andy, is I pretty much get everyone imitation samurai <laughs> swords every year. The reason being, you can never have too many. Well, you are from a long line of samurai
3: warriors, yeah. John. So that's, that's right. So that's what people don't know about you, so it's understandable. The uh, Home Office Minister, Vernon Coker, said that in the wrong hands, samurai swords are dangerous weapons. <laughs> Let those words sink in for a while. Um, And also just imagine how dangerous they would be if they were in the right hands of a skilled practitioner
2: of samurai swordsmanship. No, that's not true. In the right hands, they are used to spread jam on your crumpets. That's what the samurais were all about, toasted afternoon snacks. You know nothing about samurais. As we've established, I am from that bloodline. Why the samurai sword, Andy? This is yet another example of Britain losing its identity. What's wrong? (laughs) With the good, old-fashioned imitation crossbow, the gentleman's weapon, (laughs) or the quintessentially English broadsword, an Excalibur. How about the Queen's own patented nunchucks? I'm not sure about
3: banning imitation weapons of any kind, though. They're always talking about banning imitation firearms. But I think they really should be encouraging the use of imitation firearms over actual firearms, which are often far more dangerous. And if only we could encourage all of the world's armies to use imitation guns and bombs then maybe we would have peace
2: this Christmas, and that, after all, is what some of us want. But well, I mean, that is the clever twist, that genuine samurai swords are still okay. <laughs> it's, the, it's the knock-offs that you can't have. That's lucky, because I have a samurai sword, but it is for private use in my own personal blood grudges. <laughs> I have to avenge the death of my ancestors, Andy. They're all dead. I suspect foul play. All of them are dead. I will track down the perpetrator. Further and further back in my family tree, Andy, there's more and more corpses. I will have my vengeance. What would you like for Christmas, John? I'd like a samurai sword. (laughs) I thought you said you had one. I told you, that you can't have too many. I want an imitation samurai sword, because I love breaking the law in a petty way. (laughs) I guess they're like golf clubs, though. They're all slightly different, aren't they?
3: Although you're not allowed... I think the real samurais aren't allowed more than 13 samurai swords in their bag at any one time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and one of them has to be a very lofted sword as well.
0: (laughs) Thanks, buglers. And don't forget to listen to our review of 2022, part one which is almost certainly already in your pod feed.